This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. Hope you've had a chance to enjoy some of that NASA on the air stuff we talked about last week. But this is Ham Talk Live, episode number 93. Some holiday gift ideas and the Pearl Harbor USS Batfish Special Event Station with Emmett Onassee III, W0QH, recorded live on Thursday, December 14th. 2017. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined once again by Emmett Onassi III, W0QH, the chief engineer at Radio Waves. And uh, we'll take your calls live in just a little bit. But uh, last week, if you missed the uh, the NASA on the air thing, Dr. Rob Suggs, KB5EZ, from Marshall Space Flight Center and uh, Kevin Zari, KK4YEL from Kennedy Space Center, and Peter Federer, fresh home from Antarctica, uh, KB3GTN uh, from Goddard Space Flight Center. We're here uh, to talk about that year-long NASA on-the-air event, and that got off to a start this week. So if you missed that, uh, you can catch that on hamtalklive.com anytime, or you can catch uh, one of the podcast episodes, and you can catch up on that. Uh, we upload to uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and also YouTube, and uh, some of the other podcast apps pick up from those. So we're on just about everything. You can uh, find us on your favorite podcasting app. So we've got some questions for Emmett already, but if you have a question, you can tweet us at HamTalkLive, and uh, later on in the show, we'll give you a chance to call in. I'll go ahead and give you that phone number. It's 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM-1, and you'll be able to uh, call in and ask your questions. So uh, I'll be back right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a Ham Fest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and in connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and hand Sticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, 
Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight to help bring you Ham Talk Live. They'll be at the Plant City, Florida Ham Fest on Friday and Saturday. And uh, you can call 920-435-2973 or visit their website at pl-259.com. Tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live. You can uh, get your order filled anytime. They're going to be taking some time off for the holidays, but uh, we'll be back on the HamFest tour soon. Remember, PL259s, they make great stocking stuffers. Well, uh, tonight our guest is Emmett W0QH, uh, the chief engineer at Radio Waves. And my apologies uh, to you. We're having some trouble tracking down Emmett today. So we're going to come back. All right. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. And um, we haven't been able to track down Emmett. So uh, luckily, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, is uh, willing to step in. And I've uh, been meaning to have him come on the show anyway again and uh, talk about some new things going on with him. So, Scott, thanks for joining us on uh, short notice tonight. Neil, it's a pleasure to join one of the best podcasts about ham radio on the Internet. Thanks for asking me on. Well, I always say that it's got the best music of any call-in ham radio talk show. I agree, and there's nothing like hearing the sound when someone mentions a Baofeng, is there? <laughs> we'll, we'll put the Baofeng in there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that in there. So We're also the only one that has music that's a call-in <laughs> talk show. But anyway, all right, so, so we're um, filling in here, and, and so you have taken over the editor duties of the national contest journal and um you hit the ground running making some uh improvements and some changes uh and keeping a lot of things that worked so uh tell us about some of the changes that are coming up in the uh, national contest journal and uh the january february episode or uh, edition should be coming out pretty soon yeah, the, thanks very much. In fact, uh, the January-February edition has been sent to the printer, and hopefully it will be mailed in uh, January uh, on or ahead of schedule as usual and uh, to all the subscribers worldwide. Uh, I am greatly honored, really, to be uh, named the new editor of the National Contest Journal, or NCJ for short, Pat Barkey in 9RV. Just stepped down as editor, did a fabulous job. For three years, and there's so many others who before him have done that, uh, who have been guests on your show, uh, Kirk Pickering and Ward Silver, and I think Doug Grant, and 
Randy Thompson and many other people. Uh, the couple of the changes that we're bringing to NCJ starting in the January edition are to focus a bit more on getting more young contesters on the air. And when by young, we mean those under 40 or 50 years of age, not just high school students and uh, contesters like uh, the rock star Marty that you have on and all the students at K9 and SOU in Bloomington, but also younger adults who uh, are active in contesting. And uh, we think that contesting uh, uh, needs, uh, you know, new uh, ham activity and that uh, there's a great opportunity to uh, make the journal more relevant to younger people. And I'd like to announce, really, if I can, for the first time, Neil, on your show that uh, we are really delighted to have one of the premier educators and ham radio mentors in America as the uh, section editor for what we call Next Gen Contesting, and that's uh, yourself, no, Neil uh, Rapp. No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought I was going to be the editor of that. You are. I just said that. Oh, oh, oh okay. I, I I don't know. You you kept talking about some some great ed- educator and and everything and so i thought maybe somebody else got it but yeah i know uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just not willing to promote yourself much so anyway so you know we're going to benefit mm. from your experience and your connections uh and for the people who read ncj neil's first uh uh write-up will be about the quite successful program at k9sou and getting non-licensed ham nine licensed students involved in contesting at the ham club station there. So uh, we're hoping that others will read this and uh, sort of catch some of your enthusiasm and your passion for doing this and uh, let it spread across the United States. Uh, And I would like to say in the upcoming edition of NCJ, we hope in the spring you're going to be doing some interviews with the uh, youth participants in the world radio team championship, WRTC. And we're all looking forward to uh, what you tell us about those young contesters who have qualified to be a participant in WRTC. I'm an active contester, but I didn't come close to qualifying. And some of the people who did, like uh, Matthias, Charlie Echo 2, Mike, Victor Fox, really are phenomenal contesters. So I'm looking forward to learning how to improve my own skills, Neil. So that's uh, that's one new feature. A second new feature is we're going to have regular surveys and book reviews by Kilo 3, Mike Delta, K3MD, John Thompson, another physician like me who uh, is an active contester. John is quite known for working every radio contest every year. He's on every week in a radio contest, sometimes two or three. And he uh, is a wide reader and writer, so John will be sharing sort of new books and new technology pieces with us and also stimulating discussion on the reflector on the AWRL website and on the hopefully NCJ website about sort of controversies and new trends and contesting. Uh, all the other section editors, assistant editors that everyone uh, has come to really appreciate and love will, will still be with us. Uh, the past editor, Pat Barkey, will uh, also be uh, contributing some of his famous interviews uh, as we go forward. And then I'm really delighted to announce that we, for the first time in the history of NCJ, have a deputy editor, someone who works closely with me to help me keep uh, all of the articles organized and to the managing editor, Rick, Lin- Rick Lindquist, WW1ME, and to the league. And that is Fred Reganider, K4 Italy Uniform. Fred uh, recently retired from his 
job as an academic orthodontist at the Mayo Clinic and is uh, now uh, with a bit more free time, shall we say. He might dis- disagree with that assessment, but he has time and efforts to help with uh, the NCJ. So Fred's a very avid contester. He's been on your program. He's been on a number of the ham radio podcasts and a very long and distinguished career, so to speak, in contesting and DXing. So those are sort of the changes with NCJ that we're bringing. And, uh, uh, you know, the first edition coming out in, in January will have some very interesting articles. It'll have the first of a three-part series on what type of receiver that a uh, contester might need. You know, what, what qualifies as a competition-grade receiver and transceiver for contesters. We have a very special article by Craig Thompson, K9 Charlie Tango, on how multi-multi-contesting has helped him prepare the Bouvet de-expedition team for what will be probably the most remote and most expensive de-expedition ever put on. And Craig and many of the, of the teammates like Ralph Fedor, Glenn Johnson, Bob Alfin, uh, Jerry Rosalius, and more than I can name at the moment, are all multi-multi-contesters. So... Uh, the contesting community has had a big impact on the Bouvier the expedition. We have some other interesting articles. I won't give away all the secrets, but I also would like your listeners to look at NCJ Web. Uh, just do a search with your favorite search engine, NCJ Web. And Kirk Pickering has a fabulous website, and we're going to be pushing articles and special information pieces to the website where you can find uh, some of some of the great articles coming out. And uh, the last one I'll leave as a bit of as a bit of a tantalizing end is uh, your uh, uh, good friend K nine LA Carl Lutzel Schwab up up the highway f- from you in Fort Wayne uh, has a nice article on propagation. What can contesters and others expect in 2018? If any of your listeners like me got on the 10 meter contest, you really wondered if you were working largely a state CUSO party because most of my contacts were within uh, 250 miles of my home. And I only made a couple of DX contacts. Uh, I wasn't on for that many hours, but uh, the conditions were really tough and, and challenging, at least for uh, those of us in the W0 area. So, uh, you know, I read Carl's articles and listen to his webinars all the time on propagation and really delighted that he took the time and, and uh, the, the, to put together a fabulous uh, short article on what to expect and how to take advantage of current propagation conditions. So it's a bit, probably a bit of a long answer, Neil, but uh, you put in your nickel and you got a dollar's worth of information. There we go. We got, we got it covered. Yeah. I I heard uh, some people, I didn't get on the 10 meter contest, but uh, I I heard some people talking about the 10 meter contest and saying that uh, they were wondering if their radios were, were not working properly because there was no one there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they couldn't hear a thing. Uh, yes. yes, it was a like tough a tough time for fight. 10. It is. It's a tough time. And since we're not even technically at the bottom of the solar cycle, I fear what the 10-meter contest will be like next year. You might actually have more distance on the 2-meter repeater. You never know. Wow. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty amazing. We were on 20 this afternoon and trying to do some of the NASA on the air stuff from school and I mean, 20 was just horrible. <laughs> it just, we, we couldn't, uh, we finally did find, uh, the guys in Huntsville, but, uh, we couldn't, couldn't hear them at all. And, uh, it just looked totally dead on the scope. So hopefully there will be better days ahead. Yes. But I've been reading on Twitter that the K9 SOU club is working some new DX on 20 meters. So 
while the band propagation may be reduced compared to two years ago, your club seems to be doing a fabulous job of getting uh, picking up some new DX entities. Yeah, we picked we picked up a couple, and uh, we were we we're lucky that uh, Galapagos was coming in real well last Thursday, and uh, so we were able to get that and and some others. But uh, we just keep working at it, and and hopefully, like I said, there's there's better days ahead. Uh, we were trying to work a couple of new entities today, and and had zero luck. So. You just never know, and that's part of the fun of ham radio is uh, you never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. It's a, it's a true adventure because the outcome is so uncertain. Uh, that's why it's such an interesting hobby compared to uh, just using Skype or the cell phone to call someone in another country. Well, we're talking with Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, the new editor of the National Contest Journal. And... Um, so if people want to subscribe to the National Contest Journal and get a copy of that, how would they go about doing that? The uh, easiest way is to go to the ARRL website. That's www.arrl.org. And in the search box at the top center, type in NCJ. And then um, a search will uh, appear, and you can click on the links at the bottom, and then you can subscribe directly from the ARRL website. It's around $25 a year uh, for U.S. subscribers and uh, a little more for those outside the U.S., but it also ensures that it's mailed to them. Uh, and we produce uh, six issues a year, uh, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and November, December. And then the web content is free or it goes along with the subscription? The web content is free, courtesy of the ARRL and K4RO. Okay, very good. So you can check out some of the uh, articles on the website and, and check it out and see if that's for you. But uh, we hope that uh, you'll enjoy some of these new things coming to NCJ and a lot of the old standbys that uh, are... Um, Really good uh, learning opportunities for contesting and uh, ways that you can get better with that. Well, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more with Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, right after this, right here on Ham Talk Live. The National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, located in Westchester, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, is only two minutes off I-75. The museum is the former home of the Voice of America Bethany Relay Station. Tours are now available every Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can see the control room, a 200,000-watt transmitter, and the most comprehensive collection of inventions by the iconic Powell Crosley, Jr. Also on display is a huge antique radio exhibit and R.L. Drake's personal collection of most every Drake amateur rig ever made. This is a unique opportunity to see amateur radio in action and have a chance to get on the air from WC8VOA. Admission is only $5 a person. The museum is located close to historic WLWAM and tons of shopping and restaurants. Take a trip to the VOA Museum or visit us online at voamuseum.org All I want for Christmas is a TS-990 
and to listen to another episode of Ham Talk Live. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live, and I uh, hope you can check out the Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting at some time, uh, get a chance. It's a really great place to go. Enjoy uh, getting over there whenever I can, and plan on spending some more time uh, over there soon. So uh, check them out at voamuseum.org. And Ham Talk Live, we're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And uh, Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, we post some stuff up there, so I hope you enjoy that as well. So uh, we'll take some calls here tonight if you want to call in about the National Contest Journal and talk with Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, and myself. That phone number is 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM-1. Or you can Skype us. We're Ham Talk Live on Skype. And uh, you can also tweet us at Ham Talk Live. So if you want to talk about uh, some contesting tonight, uh, we'll um, switch to that. And we'll try to get uh, Emmett rescheduled here uh, to talk about the uh, gift ideas and the antennas as, as soon as possible. So, uh, you know, Scott, I, I, I guess a, a one good gift idea since Emmett's not here to talk about uh gift ideas for the ham an icom 7610 would make a great christmas gift wouldn't it boy it would neil it would and i i know that you and i have both put those requests into santa i don't know that he's going to deliver it to my house but i hope he does to yours (laughs) well it's uh it's looking like a, a everything that we uh, thought it would be and um, it'd be uh, interesting to uh, get a hold of one of those and, and give it a spin so i hope i hope you can try it out it'll do that yeah i hope you can try it out at k9sou i bet it will just blow the students away with what it can do especially with the touch screen on the big lcds that you can you can put you can connect into the back uh I'm really looking forward to hearing how hams and contesters especially like that. I got to use the radio at Dayton briefly at Contest University with the remote VFO control and the VFO knob, and it truly is a two-VFO radio. I I was very impressed. I really commend ICOM. A number of us uh, wrote them and urged them to make uh, a functionality available that would let operators control both VFOs because they were trying to work at DX pileup or do SO2R contesting or SO2V contesting, you need to be able to control both knobs or both receivers, excuse me. And, and they did that. And so uh, some people criticize ICOM for not listening to their customers. I, I, I disagree. They listened on this, and they've made a number of functional improvements to their transceivers over the last 10 years based on customer feedback. And I think that's really, uh, really amazing. It's nice to see so many manufacturers in the ham community, nearly every major original electronic manufacturer, U.S. and Japanese and others, really are responsive to HAM's needs. So that's just wonderful. Neil, I would also suggest, by the way, a good stocking stuffer. 
if you have a, uh, someone in your life that you want to, who's a ham who you want to get a stocking stuffer for, a subscription to NCJ is a pretty inexpensive stocking stuffer, and it will give them satisfaction all year long. There you go, and, and you you pair that up with some some adapters from uh, Tower Electronics, and 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 you've got it covered. So you there truly you do. go. Yeah. Well, now you. You you write in and and call into the show a lot and and one of the questions that I see you asking a lot of the guests that come on the show is super hat or SDR. So now we've got the seventy six ten out there. It's 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 real now. It's not just some you know dream somewhere. So where do you stand as far as a contest rig with that super hat or SDR. Yeah. Thank you. I've asked a number of your guests if they have a preference. And as you know, I'm a bit of a receiver aficionado. I uh, have always tried to own really good receivers, even if I have to buy them used as I have almost all of my ham equipment. Uh, And uh, I don't have an opinion that says one is superior to the other. I can tell you in my own station, I have uh, two ICOM radios and an Elecraft K3S. They all have strengths, uh, and they all have weaknesses. If there's a weakness to my ICOM, it's that it weighs 70 or 80 pounds, and it's hard to move. Uh, but that's about the only one. I'm also very impressed with the SDR. Uh, Ray Novak came to Rochester and visited our ham club in the summer, and loaned me a 7300 one evening to test in my station, and I was blown away, like you and your school club have been. And uh, I've also had a friend with a flex who loaned me that for a week to test, and I've been very impressed with those. If money were no option, I think I'd have one of the ICOM SDRs, one of the flex SDRs, uh, and I would uh, just test them all with my antenna array on everything that I have. Uh, I really like a quiet receiver to be honest, about what I prefer best. I like good good filtering, sharp filtering, and a quiet receiver. And the ICOMs that I run are really quiet. And uh, I know the Flex SDRs are really quiet receivers. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's tough. You know, I think you have so many good choices, and it just gets down to what do you like to use and drive. You know, some people want to drive a Honda. Some people want to drive a Toyota. Others a GMC, a Chevrolet, or a Ford, or a Jeep. You know, they're all wonderful cars, and I think the same is true for ham radios. Um, the top end, top 20 on Rob Sherwood's list, all will perform great in contest. I think it's really what do you like to use. That's why I really encourage hams to go to a local radio dealer or go, come to Dayton and try out the radios and uh, see what you like to operate. And you'll know once you start using what models fit your personal receiving preferences. And I don't think there's a single correct answer here. Uh, I think sometimes all of the above might be the the best answer possible now it it's been um it's been kind of interesting with the uh you know the icoms the sdr in a box coming up and and then you know uh, then i see that kenwood with that retro 520 dial on the 990 and it's just you know it, it, it's always uh been a, a dilemma but after using the 7300 and the touch screen and and all the uh all the bells and whistles on that thing boy that that 
just makes you think that 7610 is, is just that much better. So now I've seen some of ICOM's numbers on that. Um, I wonder what uh, what our friend Mr. Rob Sherwood would say about uh, comparing the receivers to that. And I know that uh, that's what been one of the most popular shows that we've ever had on on this program was uh, when Rob Sherwood came on and talked about the uh, receiver performance. So have you heard anything about uh, where he's ranking it so far? I have, no, I have not. I looked at his website the other day and it was down or I couldn't get logged on just to see if he had it there. And I haven't looked back. I have a friend in Japan and I won't give you his call sign, but he travels to Dayton every year. And um, he owns usually serial number one of any ICOM radio. He has serial number one of the 7850, serial number one of the 7610, I imagine he had the 7300, too. And he told me that the uh, uh, 7610, in his opinion, uh, sounded almost identical to his 7850. And in some respects, it heard some signals better and some signals not as well. But on average, he thought it was very comparable. Uh, so if, if his experience is typical, then that radio is going to knock the top out of the Sherwood testing. And it's going to be a, a real winner. I think it's going to be a disruptive radio in the market, just as Flex's SDRs and Maestro combos have been disruptive. I, I think SDR is, is out. I, I don't see us going back to Superheads. I don't see Superheads staying the uh, uh, the only models. Now, I think everybody's going to innovate with SDRs. If, if uh, the, the talk show listeners ever subscribe to QEX, the, the Experimental Communication Journal by the League, uh, there was a great article by a German ham on SDRs, and I've asked him to submit something to NCJ, and he's agreed. Sort of the basics of SDR for understanding receivers and how they work. And they have so much opportunity. I've, I've had the privilege of corresponding with Gerald Youngblood at Flex, and really I think Gerald understands where this uh, where the opportunities are in terms of user interfaces, uh, how to put the package together. You could have your radio at the antenna connector or the near the antenna and then have it all remoted by a LAN or a CAC5 into your shack. It's a, it's really an opportunity to do things and to get noise so low, so quiet, that you can hear really weak signals. You know, the secret to success in contesting, Neil, is not to hear the loudest signals or the next to loudest signals, but to hear the third and fourth and fifth layers of stations in Europe and Asia who are calling you when you're on the air. And unless you have a really quiet receiver with good filtering, you can't. And that's why the LA Craft's been so popular, and frankly, all of the top-end radios have been so popular. And I think SDR is going to give us the opportunity to pull signals out of the noise that we couldn't before. It's going to make uh, what we do now with FT8 look more more standard down the road with CW, I think. 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM1 is the phone number if you want to call in and Talk to Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, talking uh, some contesting tonight, some contesting rigs, and the National Contest Journal uh, that Scott is now the editor of. So give us a call, 812-638-4261, or uh, drop us a tweet. We're at Ham Talk Live, or we're also on Skype at Ham Talk Live if you'd like to call in and uh, weigh in on this. And uh, I... I tend to agree with you. I think the uh, the SDR um, is is really the way things are going. I've noticed uh, how much quieter it is, and and uh, so I I totally agree with that. And I look forward to seeing uh, 
where the numbers come in. Uh, the numbers, uh, you know, that I saw from ICOM are, are putting it right there with a uh, 7851 and well above the 7300. So, and the 7300 came in very high on his list. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, where that ranking comes in and, um, and, you know, trying to pick a, a rig right now is, is a tough job. Truly is, because you're always worried when you buy something that three or six months from now, something new will come out and you'll regret that you didn't wait just three more months or six more months because uh, uh, everything, innovation is happening. I mean, we, we all think of Flex and now ICOM as the innovators in SDR, but there are a number of manufacturers from Europe as well as from the U.S. that if you uh, just uh, do a Google search for SDR radios, you'll, you'll be surprised at how many are competing in the ham market space and are doing it really at, at economical prices. So it's really kind of exciting, isn't it, to see ham radio go from where it did when we were young hams with the 520 being sort of the cat's meow of, of transceivers to where we are now. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's really exciting. I have to think, though, Neil, that the user interfaces – with the digital displays, the waterfall displays, the touch screens, really attract the next generation contesters more. They really are graphically and visually oriented learners, I think. But you're a teacher. Tell me if you agree or not. Yeah, that the- I do. I agree. And, you know, that's one of the things uh, Dave Anderson said when uh, when he sent us the, the 7300 was, you know, um, these kids need to have a touch screen. They, they, they need to have that technology because that's what they're used to. That's what they're on 24-7, whether I want them to be or not, uh, with the, their phones. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's the way they interface with technology. And so having that type of interface with ham radio is just a natural progression. And I think as those of us who are youth wannabes, because we've now outgrown our youth age and look back at the golden era now that our youth, current youth are having, we really like what they have in terms of technology. Uh, my wife and I have talked about how neat it is that our children, three of whom have finished high school and either have finished college and grad school or in the process of that, stay in touch with their classmates. Uh, you know, we had ham radio, the first social media, as uh, Timothy McKee said on, uh, or McGee said on NCIS a few weeks ago. But uh, today's youth really are able to use this in far more interesting ways. I, I look forward to the next 10 years of, of this hobby. I, I think those who have uh, who have uh, announced the death knells of ham radio are wrong. I, I think young people are, and, and people who are really excited about technology will take it in directions that we've uh, not even begun to appreciate. I think remote operating is just one of those, one of those, you know, I do a lot of overseas operating, right? I I do business trips a lot to South America for work and do conferences and take a radio along. And I can see the time that I might even uh, be able to leave an SDR where I operate in Chile and just remote in from home and do a contest uh, that way or try to do a contest that way. It'd be kind of exciting to try. Yeah. I I am uh, very excited that we had uh, the remote hams guys on uh, here a few weeks ago and, and talk about uh, that method. And, and there's all kinds of methods out there to uh, 
do remote operating these days. I remember, you know, again, back in the day, uh, you know, we wanted to get a remote base going on the repeater because that was about the only way you were going to get any remote operation done. And, and now, uh, all you do is load the software on and away you go. It is amazing. It is amazing. Well, Neil, what advice do you have for grandparents and parents who are listening to the show who have grandchildren or children that uh, they would like to encourage to be more active on HF and contesting? Uh, what, uh, what, what are the mistakes that you see we make as adults with our children and grandchildren or our nephews and nieces that we shouldn't be making? Well, and I just had this conversation earlier with with someone today. Uh, uh, I, I think that pushing the license is, is probably one of the, the biggest mistakes, to push a license first. I think uh, getting them on, get them contesting, get them on the air DXing, get them... You know, doing what they're interested in. Some sometimes it's digital, sometimes it's voice, sometimes it's DX, sometimes it's contesting. Um, you know, I'm seeing a little bit of a shift in, in my kids right now from contesting to DXing, um, and so we're kind of shifting, you know, with them a little bit, and and we're still definitely doing a lot of contesting, but um, but we've kind of shifted a little more toward DX and. And so get them on the air, get them hooked, and then they want to get a license um, instead of, you know, putting another test in front of them. We, we, the, us teachers, we push enough tests in front of them. Um, so, you know, have them want to do that. Really glad to hear you say that. I noticed in the latest uh, updates from the ARRL that the executive committee and the trustees or directors, whatever we call our governing body, are looking at a, a new license class. And I hope they make it more student-friendly. My daughters all were licensed when they were quite young, the youngest at 8 and the oldest maybe at uh, 11 or 12. And I I was blown away that they could learn the material and pass the test. It, it was pretty hard. And I, I sometimes worry that the technician license is a little challenging for students who have not had, uh, uh, you know, pre-algebra or or high school physics. So I, I think we need to find a way to get more young young students engaged in the hobby and then let them progress through the licensing as they get more knowledge. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And and I'm and I've always said too, I don't know that it's the difficulty as much as the approach. Um, that maybe it's not too difficult, but the the approach may not always be um, real student friendly, and so I, I think some combination of that could could pay off. Well, before we go, Scott, um, we mentioned WRTC, and, and we mentioned uh, the article that I've been working on, and finally got in contact with all the youth teams and. We'll be putting that together, but um, you know, WRTC is an every four-year event, and that's coming up in uh, Germany next summer. So, tell us a little bit about uh, WRTC and um, how the um, people participating in that um, in Germany will be um, working, and then how people can work them. Sure, Neil. In every July, there is an IARU contest on a Saturday and Sunday. And the WRTC is a contest within 
the IARUHF contest, where for 24 hours they take the top 50 or so contesters from the world and they put them together and have them do a 24-hour marathon radio sport contest to see who the top three teams are. So um, I forget the exact number of teams, but let's assume there are 20 or 25 teams. Each team has a team captain who qualified because they were the best contesters, had the highest number of wins or points in the pre-published contests that were used to grade you as a, as a criterion over the last couple of years. And so they were selected uh, earlier this year and announced, and they can pick a teammate. And the two of them do basically a multi-two type operation with uh, two transceivers, low power. They have a single tri-band Yagi and then dipoles for 40 and 80. And the goal is to try to work as many stations on as many different bands on sideband and CW as you can during the 24 hours. And uh, it, it requires a lot of skill. Uh, it requires the understanding of propagation, when to change frequencies, going to 10 meters, leaving 10 meters, when to go to the low bands, when to go back to 20, when to look for the uh, skewed openings between Europe and North America. Uh, there's a novel written by one of your guests, Jim George, uh, called Contact Sport. And it's a it's just a novel. It's, the, it's, a, it's a story, a firsthand description of the WRTC a couple of years ago in Boston. And it's a very exciting read. Even if you're not interested in contesting, you can appreciate the tension, the stress, and the challenges the operators face. So it's really like watching all these these teams compete. They're all given call signs. You don't know who they are when they operate. They're given sort of special one-by-one or one-by-two call signs so that you're not sure that if you're working the American team from the the central part of the U.S., the West Coast teams, the East Coast teams, the Canadian teams, the Slovenian teams, the Russian teams. You really don't know who they are until the contest is over. So they, they, they finish on Sunday morning around 8 a.m., and then uh, it takes uh, about 24 hours for the contest results to be processed by computers, the log checks to be done, uh, and then they announce the winners at a banquet, I think, on Monday evening. This, this coming year, this year, in 2018, the WRTC will be in Germany, uh, near the uh, uh, church, near the, near the city where Martin Luther uh, nailed his uh, theses on the wall at the church. So it's going to be in that part of Germany, near Berlin, sort of south and a bit west of Berlin. And uh, it will draw several hundred people from around the world to come and observe. Uh, they have referees, they have a press who will be there, and uh, it's a really big event. Uh, it takes a lot of money. The German Contest groups are organizing to put it on. They've done a phenomenal job. Uh, in full disclosure, I've been one of their fundraisers in the U.S. I've helped raise a small amount of money from the Zero Land to help put this on. Our local contest club is joined with the Minnesota Wireless Association to sponsor a tent. Other groups are sponsoring tents uh, to promote the, the sort of the fellowship and friendship of, uh, of amateur radio. You know, we all have differences on so many angles and in the current public dialogues in between countries and within countries, you begin to think people never have any agreements on anything, but you know, ham radio sort of transcends that. You can, it doesn't matter what your political or religious philosophies are or anything else, you can sit down and enjoy the hobby together and be friends uh, regardless of any other differences, and I think that's what this contest really epitomizes. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more about WRTC as, uh, as that gets closer, and uh, I've enjoyed uh, talking to the youth teams and uh, We'll be putting that together for an upcoming 
edition of the National Contest Journal. So, Scott, thanks so much for coming on, especially on short notice and talking about uh, the National Contest Journal and some of these contesting things. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon, of course. Neil, thanks again. Thanks for letting me talk about NCJ and contesting. I hope uh, some of uh, your listeners will uh, take a look at the journal and subscribe. And also, Neil, let me say thanks again for your, the time and effort you're putting in as the next-gen contester uh, section editor, uh, because uh, really uh, the uh, the next generation is where we all need to be investing time and effort. And so uh, you're probably leading the most important effort of all in the journal. Neil, thanks again, and best holiday wishes to you and all your listeners. And the same to you, and thank you for that. And uh, and we look forward to uh, to seeing some some articles submitted for that. So I won't be writing all of them. So uh, we need to get some uh, people to send those in. So by all means, uh, if you have something uh, in mind, let's uh, let's let's get it uh, emailed to me. And uh, we'll take a look at it. Well, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Thanks to my guest, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening. And uh, invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, if you want to see who's coming up next, uh, just go over to hamtalklive.com, and uh, we update that as soon as we know. So, Uh, You can check that out over there. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. And may the good DX be yours.